Okay, folks, welcome to episode 50 of Biomast. We're off to kind of a, a shady start as usual. So we're starting a little bit late here on the live stream, as many of you have noticed that have already pinged us. So we appreciate you reminding us that we're not actually live. Uh, but that's okay, too. So like I said, we, as usual, we're a, a highly professional and well-oiled broadcast machine like we usually are. So uh, we... We've got some of our regulars on tonight, and uh, we've got a few people lurking up in the listening channel. So we're going to go ahead and get started with uh, introductions tonight. We'll throw out a couple topics. We'll get us a CPM update, and we're, we're going to kind of see what's going on in the world of Dust, Eve, and all things, all other random topics that we should so desire to uh, bring up for the evening. So we're going to start at the top of the list uh, here in the recording room and hit our intros. So, Bate, you're up first, brother. I am uh, Iwa Bait, uh, director for Demonic Cowboys. Okay, awesome. And Cross? Cross 2, CPM1, and member of OSG. Good deal. Luther? I am Luther Mandrix, a director in Wasteland Junk Removal in Dust and Eve. Awesome. Sarai? I'm Sarai Azell, a CPM1 member and a co-host here on the show. And I am Jason Larison. I am a member of OSG Planetary Operations on Dust and Agony Unleashed on the Eve side. And I am also a co-host here on uh, the Biomass podcast. Uh, and we do have one men- member in absentia from the uh, the normal Biomass crew, and that's Pokey Draven, who can actually hear us and is typing back and forth. So we're going to take great pleasure in relaying how- his incredibly intelligent and incisive commentary to you. Jay will uh, do them in a voice. Yeah, he, I could probably do that, but he's he is uh, he's not able to hit voice with us tonight, so he's going to be able to uh, basically hit us through commentary in the Skype channel. So this should be kind of interesting. He's experiencing story, really. technical difficulties. That's the Does that mean that tonight is po- that uh, Pokey is Hulk Hogan? Perhaps we we might be able to we might be able to do that at some point. There's there's many other people that Pokey can be. Pokey's an incredibly talented and. You know, just you have no idea how many different things Pokey can do or say under the name of Pokey Draven, many of which are semi-legal in some countries. It's important to keep on that side of the uh, semi-legal line. That gray area is vital. I totally agree with that. Okay, so uh, on that note, guys, let's go ahead and get started a little bit with our normal CPM update. If you have anything to update or if there's anything you want to recap uh, that you're able to share with us. I'll turn it over to Soraya and uh, Cross, our resident CPM members here on the here on the show tonight. Um, well, the only the only real big thing um, that's is actually coming this week is we do have a meeting uh, with uh, CCP Frame and CCP Rotati. Um, so you know that's that's coming, but not not much for this week. So I I went um, full on old school from my prior community rep role back in the days of Hellgate London and threw up a thread in the uh, locker room on the dust forums as kind of a gathering place for those who do the support role. So I invite all support players or those who are curious about support players or would love to actually ever have their credo suits saved by support players to stop by and say hello at your discretion. Um, Sort of a free form thing so that when there are good ideas or discussions to be had that fall outside the scope of a particular feedback thread or you know, fall outside the level of incivility required to post in GD. This is now a place to gather and do that. So it's the triage ward and can be found on the main dust forums in the locker room. Good deal. Yeah, I'm pulling it up right now to check that out a little bit. 
Um, beyond that, for for CPM updates, uh, as Zell mentioned, we have that meeting upcoming. Also, I'll, I'll do a little bit of a teaser here and just say that while I'm sure, as ever, there will be some people who are dissatisfied with things, I am particularly pleased by some of the upcoming elements in the next patch. Um, I'd love to go into detail if CCP's lawyers wouldn't eat my soul, but look for those. They, they should be interesting once they're released. Uh, any kind of rough window for a time frame other than soon or in the future? <laughs> Um, well, I'll, I'll, I'll be obtuse about this and say that for those of you who know when my birthday is, I expect it to be within that vicinity. Yep. And your birthday's on Skype. Just throwing that out there. Sure. Fine. Dissolve my <laughs> obtuseness. <laughs> yeah. No, no drama with that, man. So, um, I, I did have a couple of questions for you guys. So we rounded up the, uh, so I think we're we're all closed out with the loyalty point event, right? Yep, yep. That just recently wrapped up. Okay, so I'm just kind of curious how um, how did you guys all think that went? And I guess my question that is slightly more focused for for you and Zell is uh, were were the erstwhile board collective out over in Shanghai? Were they pleased with whatever the outcome of the event was? Um, I think the event went pretty well for the most part. I have to footnote that with despite lizard squad as as tony would put it um because there were a lot of internal errors ser server issues and whatnot going on uh, based on the nature of them i'm assuming that they were due to denial of service things but it certainly did have an impact on match quality and frequency to have that be in the midst of things but that aside i think the event went fairly well why does Lizard Squad always decide to mess with CCP during events? Probably because one of them was a former Dust player that got tired of getting fucked with, and so this is his his way of throwing the jab. I'm just uh, that would be the only thing I could come up with. They're really good at hitting a lot of things during events. I mean, they they definitely seem to be tracking Warframes release stuff. Um, they've even hit Battle.net a couple of times, and that's a pretty robust infrastructure in its own right. So. I don't know. Maybe they read game news sites and pick their targets accordingly. We're in game news sites? Yeah, that's what I was about to ask. Dude, we're like super cool now, right? Cool. Yeah, I don't know. Fair enough, fair enough. No, actually, it's um, that's a pretty legit comment, though. I mean, we've had that happen a couple times, um, you know, in terms of like stuff shutting off the Tranquility server here and there. Uh, so, I, I, or at least, or Sony, which is in and of itself, anybody hitting Sony on a given day is probably not a surprise to, to something. Yeah, I think we get a lot so, more of that in see. dust due to um, the combination. Other activities, and you guys were, by the way, just zero-based tracking, like, I did not play, like, not a single match during the uh, the LP event, uh, so I was asking all kind of questions in the pre-show, and I'll kind of wrap up a, a few of those, uh, just... Oh, Jason disconnected. When he said he was going to wrap up, he really meant it. That, that was a what thorough and sudden wrap-up. Absolutely. <laughs> I think it was just uh, there's some obviously some additional LP like a fifty percent bump and then the the ISK per match I believe right. Yep, fifty percent bump to LP payouts and fifty k per victory. Yeah, it's interesting. I spent sixty million ISK to get two million in rewards. Well, I, I will um, throw up perhaps another little teaser there and say that that's true based on the current loyalty store market. And Jay is gone again. 
cross is full of teases this, this evening. Yeah. You know, I, I would like a, a little bit of lore explanation when it comes to events. I mean, it's nice to have an event, but it would sure be nice to actually have an in-game explanation as far as the, the factions, uh, you know, on why. I mean, that, that's, in, in the words of Jay, that's legit. Um, I would I would like to see a lot more action on the lore side of things, just in general. I do think that that's probably going to be a somewhat longer-term thing, just based on where the overall CCP community resources are allocated. Dust has a smaller percentage of those personnel, and that's not just lore, that's lore and events and moderation, etc. So there are some more maintenance level duties that tend to take a lot of that time like keeping the forums from being too much of a piranha tank so unfortunately we're, we're not necessarily high on that list at the moment but as the game continues to grow and develop i think that it's totally something to push for is having more of a lore context and interaction with general new eden this is usually the point where jay would give us something else to talk about but without jay so uh zell you're the read remaining host read our blog What's the most recent article on your blog? Or most recent three articles, or whatever? Um, the importance of player involvement in game design, um, fundamental guide to weapon ranges, and uh, the introduction post for the new um, matchmaking engine. We should probably talk about the matchmaking engine. Well, there was recently a dev post on that one. They've been adding some new uh, metrics so that they can tighten down even more on the value of matchmaking. And as much as there's been a uh, decidedly mixed bag of player feedback, the numbers, as far as just overall aggregated metrics, are definitely showing that the matchmaking provides some pretty solid improvement because the disparities in end-of-match status, like MCC comparative armor remaining, uh, total clones remaining, things of that nature, are much tighter now between the two teams than they used to be as far as the averages go. Anything you want to highlight from the blog specifically on that subject? Uh, let me open it up. Well, there's two blogs that I really like, and that was the uh, the guide to weapons ranges and the uh, damage profiles. I thought they were both great, and uh, it would be nice to actually have that information in-game instead of having to go to another site to find it. Yeah, I mean, like, kind of the goal with the guides is is to kind of start to build up some of that documentation outside of the game, because even the outside of game documentation up until now has been very spotty and in most cases outdated. So. <laughs> Jason Larison, ladies and gentlemen, the inaudible man. That's right. I'm here. Like even, even the, uh, even the, the like Fujitsu virus that uh, the lizard squad is trying to put on my mumble isn't working. I thought it was Mike Azariah. Yeah, uh, that could be. Yeah, if, if he's anywhere remotely related to us, that we're going to be in deep shit. All right. Okay. So I'm sorry. We're, we're, before I drop out, what are you guys talking about? We were. We're currently um, pimping the blog. Yeah, we were addressing the most recent three articles on the blog loosely. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. By the way, I've been uh, I've had several people ping me. Um, you know, like actual Eve players that. Uh, you know that have checked checked it out and uh, you know not dust players at all by the way and 
they've given us some really really good props for the for the website by the way which is all pokey and uh and some soraya on putting that together i i had not a hand with it uh, other than i think like once i i said eh, make it more like gray not white in some like one little obscure box on the on the screen that's literally all i've i've contributed to the uh to the refresh of the site well, I take that back. There was one slap and hair pull fight between Zell and Pokey over like having wingdings or fucking aerial font on it or something like that. But, um, and I kind of had threatened to pull the car over. So, uh, other than that, like the guys have done a great job. Again, a lot of props to Zell and Pokey on how that how they've uh, structured that thing. That's my pre shout out. Just th- throwing that out there. Yeah, I suppose I should do the whole uh, journalistic integrity full disclosure thing and mention that while I have not yet published an article, I actually am contributing on the biomass blog. So I don't know if that's a feather in my cap or compromises my objectivity, but ex- whatever it he is, expresses, it's out there. He expressed a statement and it got integrated into a blog. No, no, I mean, I'm actually working on a draft someday. Oh, you're I know actually, you don't believe me, Zell, but it's happening. You're actually writing an article? I'm shocked. This is the editorial board, by the way, for all of the listeners out there. So if you want to contribute, this is the professionalism you'll be working with. It's, it's, yeah, it's, I, I mean, like we set this thing up and then I, I, I message Cross. I'm like, so you're going to, you're going to write articles for us, right? And he's like, maybe. And I'm like, good. Here's your account. Start writing. Yeah. Zell is very good at enslaving me to do things. It's actually disturbingly effective. I don't know how many hours in the past two weeks I've spent doing things Zell wanted. Well, let me know when you get my pirate drop suits in, yo. <laughs> I'll do that, actually. And, I don't know, smiley emoji? As long as it's red and black and they have white eyes. I really don't really care how, how what else you do to it at that point. So let's legit. See. Yeah, oh, it is absolutely. It's one hundred percent legit. So uh, I, I guess I, a couple of questions for you guys. Like, um, I think I, the only, like I said, the only frame of reference I have, by the way, for playing uh, for anything on Dust right now is I played probably half a dozen matches last night, uh, and that's about it for the last week. Uh, had had a really good time playing. It seemed like matchmaking was working well. Uh, that you know, on the flip side of that, um, I was rolling in a pretty full squad of. At, you know, m- mostly closed slash open beta players. I think all but one guy. Uh, so a, a pretty deep squad. It was it was a lot of good good matches. So I had a good experience with that. I have noticed that when I solo queue, uh, the one or two times I can remember solo queuing, it, it's a uh, you know, boy, it's sketchy as hell. Which kind of brought me up to uh, this interesting Twitter conversation between a uh, semi well known Dust player and Rotati. That, that briefly occurred is a brief exchange that occurred. Uh, there's this guy by the name of Ayan Amadi. I don't know if you guys have heard of him, but I think that's like, you know, Russian for mad as fuck. And on he's, some he's, sort been of on our, our, he's been on the show, so we can assume everyone knows him because nobody would ever skip a, an episode of our podcast. You're, you're, you're absolutely destroying my ability to, to build the comedic timing for an upcoming joke. So sorry. No, that's okay. No, you, I, I want I want you to be fully fully vested and emotionally a part of this as we as we begin to gouge people's eyes out. So, uh, Aeon, who is let's all be real, he like he he is a a well known player, and he alternates in a very bipolar like fashion between uh, some incredibly well thought out and and deeply researched posts and and information pieces to 
absolute in the middle of I five Los Angeles road rage, you know, and he, he had a moment like that on Twitter and it was kind of interesting. Cause I went back and I looked and you could see him posting over the course of a couple hours of an hour or so hour and a half. Uh, and he was solo queuing and his matches were getting progressively worse. And he's providing evidence. He's actually putting screenshots on Twitter. And at one, at some point he finally pleaded with Rattati. <laughs> he's like, for the love of God, look at, look at, look at the logs, what the hell is going on. And, Basically, Rattati's like, eh, there's always going to be somebody outside the circle of trust. That's basically what he said, <laughs> which and I had an absolute chuckle at. Yeah, Rattati is very good for being non-PR speak. It's he's gotten a couple a couple critiques for it from one player or another, but personally, I find it very refreshing to just have him be willing to call a spade a spade if. He doesn't think your idea makes any sense. You're almost certain you're going to know about it. He actually, in a weird way, reminds me of uh, Falcon, like CCP Falcon over on the uh, the east side. He's actually a com- Falcon's community manager. And if you, if anybody's played Eve for more than a minute, they probably generally know who Falcon is. And he's he is not a game designer. He doesn't touch any of that kind of stuff. He doesn't. He's not involved with the actual development of the game. All he really does is the community management piece, which on the east side is fairly extensive uh and he has on more than one occasion you know layeth the smacketh down on the uh, on the forums and i've Rattati is getting very very good with that in a, in a very no pun intended laser focused way of describing like hey i will look at what you said i you you have claimed x i will determine if x is in fact the case and i've seen him basically call people call bullshit on people. And I've also seen him say, yep, your stuff checks out. Now you're a test subject. So give me more information, which I thought was a, a really, really spot on step to take by the way. Yeah. Yeah. He's my, one of my biggest things aside from the obvious workaholic vibe that makes me very pleased to have Ritati around and at the helm of dust is that if he sees solid information that indicates that his prior assessment of something is wrong, He's the first to say, oh, yeah, that's something I hadn't considered. I better take that into account now and change the approach. Um, I, yeah, I, I think that's that's definitely a, uh, a point in his favor. Uh, so let me let me ask a couple questions of the CPM since it's that time and I'm kind of bored and I want to do that kind of shit right now. So I like we have talked briefly about uh, a CPM2 announcement uh, that would be coming up at some point soon. And I also know that you guys talk, or at least reportedly talk, routinely slash daily to uh, to the Rotati uh, and or the quote-unquote team that is working on, on Dust, yet we've championed that we're going to have a meeting with Frame and Rotati next week. My assumption is when you say that, it's more like there is a specific topic that we are going to have a meeting about, uh, and that's what you're foreshadowing. Is that accurate? We definitely have more formal and informal meetings. Most of the time, um, they, they do tend to have agendas if there's specific meeting. Um, and this one, I, I can't necessarily say all of what the agenda topics may be, but yeah, it, it should be a fairly focused event. Usually the formal meetings are. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Like I said, I was just kind of curious because it, it struck me when you guys said, hey, we're having a meeting with Rattati next week. I was like, yes, but you, you talk to him a lot anyway. So that's why I wanted to ask. And the fact that I was just talking about Aon Amati, who was who, origi- who originally ran for CPM1 and didn't make it and then went into some like deep, like ragey heroin sort of thing for a couple months. 
before he resurfaced back on dust. Uh, that's where my head was at right then. So I appreciate you. Hey, yeah, you're, you're, you're on to us. It's actually a meeting specifically about Amadi. We're, we're concerned. Um, we're talking in frame. We're going into witness protection. I, I will tell you there, there was a point in time, probably about three months ago, two and a half, three months ago that he, he was, he, he, I basically tried to do a, a Twitter intervention with him, which is an, an interesting and very pop culture sort of way of doing this. I, I was like, I, I basically engaged him directly on Twitter during the middle of one of his, uh, his rants. And, I was, and, and you effectively, what you get out of it is um, at, at some point he sort of had a moment of clarity and he's like, I've invested too much of my life into this game, not to care, not, not to be angry at it. So leave me alone and let me be angry at the game. <laughs> I was like, I, I, don't, I had no answer for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think I think that's legit. Even Pokey, with his opposition to the meta bitter, as he puts it, would probably acknowledge that there's some legitimacy there. Oh, yeah. I love being able to speak for Pokey when he can't uh, contest my statements. Except when I'm actually here. Oh no, we've summoned him! Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, yeah, my tablet decided to stop being a dick and actually finish its update, which had been running for an hour. So I am here and able to talk. Why did you update your shit right before the show? Because I started an hour ahead of time and thought that would be sufficient time to update, but apparently it wasn't. I've talked to you about this whole thinking thing, right? I'm working on it. It's um, I've only got to level two, so we're, we're getting there. Yeah. Oh, by the way, I totally stole that. Like, I, I swept that from Bill Murray. Like, I, I tell people I don't get older anymore. I just level up. <laughs> That's nice. Yeah, no, nah, no. Nah. That's pretty good. So, all right, Pokey, now that you're here... Can you do an introduction, please? Uh, yeah, I'm Pokey Draven from OSG Planetary Operations, co-host here on Biomast, and now a writer for the Biomast blog, which you should all go read. Outstanding. Okay. Do you want to pimp the other articles now that now that you're here? Because I think those are both yours, aren't they? Uh, I think most of the recent ones are mine, but some of them are pretty fluff, just new stuff. I mean, the, the things I'll cover the guides already. Um, we're going to be doing, at least I personally will be doing a guide once every week. Uh, try to release those on Fridays so you can read them and digest for the weekend. Uh, and I believe other people are interested in doing guides as well. I'm not sure if they'll have a set schedule. But like I said, I'm going to do at least one a week and, and hopefully push those out on, on a regular basis. And then, of course, there's the rather lengthy opinion piece I wrote recently, uh, last night about the importance of player communication in developing video games. Uh, it's a little long, but I do invite you to go read it. And I won't get into too much detail here, but I, I think it's uh, it's important stuff. It's It's been a year since Rattati started, and I think it's good to look back on where we came from, where we are, and where we need to go from here. So give it a read and uh, leave your thoughts. That'd be awesome. That's a good deal. That, that, uh, by the way, you, you struck me uh, when you guys were just talking about that a minute ago. Uh, at, there's probably some folks that we would want to reach out to, and, and we could actually have a. Uh, and I'm kind of freeform thinking right now is uh, have like a like literally like a little knowledge book in there, not a wiki or anything crazy like that. But like if Fox Gaiden or uh, or any of Kevil's little fucking nebbishes and minions wanted to write actual legit guides like in a like a PDF or a Word document, that's probably not a bad place to hang them. And then you could uh, you could look at stuff like uh, there's a I think it's called. Uh, Isk the guide, the dust version, which is an incredibly deep tome of very, very well professionally put together PDF. On uh, it's it's basically the um, the user manual for dust. Now it's very it's dated uh, by far, and it's well over probably 
16 or 18 months old right now, and nobody updated it uh, once we got close to FanFest fan last year. But it was, gosh, it was a huge, very encompassing book. But there's probably some sources that we can put on there. Uh, and like I said, there's there's player organizations that do a great job of kind of, uh, you know, like help books or, or actual le legit guidebooks to different parts of uh, Dust slash New Eden that we could easily hook into there that would uh, that might help some folks out. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like Tal was saying, it's unfortunately much of the important information is not in the game and the stuff that's out of game is very disorganized and scattered. So we're looking to to kind of organize everything into one spot for new players to look at and, and be able to get quick information without having to go digging through forum posts and dev blogs with outdated and incorrect information. So uh, yeah, if, if people are interested in that, we can certainly get uh, that added to the site or on a post, or if they're interested in posting it themselves, we can set you up with a, uh, a contributor account and you can, you can post it yourself. So just let us know, go onto the website and to our contact page and get the information and get in touch with one of us. Yep. All right. Sounds good. So I did want to shift over kind of a, a hybrid, a little bit of hybrid discussion, if you guys don't mind. The uh, And I was going to lead off with a question to Zell, actually. Um, so Soraya, uh, since I know you're a member of the artist formerly known as the CFC, can you regale us for a minute or two about uh, what's been going on with the, with the former Clusterfuck Coalition on the east side in terms of what you guys have been going through. I think there's been a big name change and some other, that, other that, drama going on. That would require that I actually still play EVE, which I don't. Um, <laughs> but, uh, no, I know a little bit. Um, so, uh, the, the big thing is with the new sovereignty system coming down the line, um, goons don't want to own, like, everything like they have been. I mean, it used to be you could get halfway around the entire outskirts of New Eden uh, without leaving uh, CFC space. Um, which, you know, the the various hits to how SOV works and how jump changes works and, and everything, it, it has obviously been designed to make that more and more difficult, which is a good thing in my book. But, uh, so they're, they're going to be abandoning some regions of space, um, I think there's a couple of current allies that are going to kind of spin off onto their own thing. Uh, I think there's one alliance just being outright killed off um, and and told that they're welcome to merge into one of the other alliances. Um, you know, a couple changes here and there. Um, the new the new coalition is called Imperium. Um, I know very little about anything beyond that. Okie dokie. Yeah, I this just so everybody's tracking. There are a lot of changes on the youth side right now that are brewing, um, and, and a lot of them are due to some of the recent major mechanical changes in how Eve is uh, played, basically. So they've really, really severely limited slash just totally changed how power projection works. So the ability to move to move from one side of the star map to the other in short order has been dramatically changed uh so that started to uh lead folks down the road of contracting the space that they hold uh and then the next thing that that's happening is a, is a total revamp of how solve works which is the best best way to equate that to dust is sort of like how we do pc and and what i find interesting as kind of a guy that straddles both games um a lot of the discussion about uh how solve warfare is going to work in eve come around june is surprisingly similar i mean it's very parallel to some of the things that they're talking about with uh with the dust eye frankly and, and i'm I, I 
I think it's totally by happenstance. I, I think I don't suspect that uh, you know Rattati and and CCP Fozzie, who's kind of leading the charge on the on the east side, collude at all on this. By the way, I'm not tinfoiling that, but. When you stack them up, you know, left and like in columns on left and right of a piece of paper, and you just kind of look at the general concepts of what they're laying out, and some of the, and including some of the very specific things uh, in terms of their outcomes or what what they want to achieve, they're they're very very similar in some cases. Now, it's, it's as similar as you can get with like a naval space combat game and a first person shooter, but a lot of if you focus on the outcomes and sort of the inputs, um, it's surprisingly surprisingly similar for example both systems are striving very hard to figure out how do you get smaller players involved or how do you make smaller players relevant to the equation uh, they're working on how do you limit sort of bands of capture time not so and getting away from the 24-hour timer and and the discussion they've been having about the windows uh, like uh, gosh what they call them um, not or the attack windows or whatever defense windows, whatever they were referring to, like those were, you know, both roughly four-hour windows that they were looking at, looking at raid mechanics basically, or what would equate to raids in both Eve and in Dust. There's a lot of these similar sort of vibes going in, and uh, I, I for one was was, it's pretty interesting reading kind of both sides of the uh, both sides of the table, uh, and seeing where there were some uh, some interesting links. So, I. Uh, I would say that there's a, that all of these things in combined. So you've got a power projection change, and then you've got a way that how solve is fought for is dramatically changing in terms of uh, spreading it out over multiple systems and having much several smaller fights instead of like one big fight that's on a timer. Uh, it, it's changing how a lot of different people in Nullsec work. It's increasing the value of NPC of Nullsec NPC areas that are not controlled effectively by players. Uh, and it's basically looking like it's going to contract everybody's borders a little bit, and you're going to have a lot of buffer zones that are basically in continual turmoil and contested all the time. And imagine like a, like two or three districts in a given area that just flip continually between multiple different actors. That that would be sort of what I see starting to form up in different areas and bands of, uh, bands of NullSec. So... It's an interesting time uh, from CCP's perspective, I bet, uh, when you're looking at it from a macro level. Uh, so I think I think there's going to be a lot of things happening over the course of the summer that we shall probably keep an eye out for. And if you're if you're a dust merc that you know dabbles in Eve, it's definitely an interesting time. There's probably some some advantages uh, that you might have that you didn't have in terms of things that you can do and solve at some point in the future. So. Also, as we move on to our next uh, our next couple items, uh, I didn't I did notice that there were a couple of people in Luther Mandrix who's in channel where this was one of the big proponents for this was linking some of the things that we're doing or some of our happenings into the scope videos. Uh, and I was wondering, Luther, if you'd mind kind of giving everybody a quick 30 second explanation of what a scope video is, if they don't know, and sort of some of your ideas about uh, how that might uh, be brought to the table for Dustmerks. Well, over in uh, EVE, uh, they have regular videos uh, called scope videos. It's like a intergalactic news organization uh, within the game EVE. And they give these uh, reports on various things that are happening around EVE. And a lot of them are doing uh, with changes that are coming up 
like ship skins and uh, the sleepers and and, and all those uh, ships over there. So what uh, I was hoping was uh, that Dusk could have a part in the scope videos like Faction Warfare. Okay, uh, Dusk is part of Faction Warfare. Eve has Faction Warfare. Right now, the Mimitar and Eve are really getting... They're getting their faces kicked in. You know, they are really pushed down. Amar is really ahead. But over here in Dust, Mimitar is doing great. So I tweeted Hilmar and I asked if it was possible uh, to give us a nod and maybe they could do a scope video and uh, talk about how uh, the Amarian Navy is pushing hard on, uh, on the uh, Mimitar Navy and... Uh, how the Mimitar ground forces are really holding strong. That might be pretty cool. Uh, the scope videos. One of the interesting thing about it is that the um, they're not they're not just like um, you know NPCs or faceless folks. They actually highlight uh, real player characters, their player characters' actions, and they use their actual player model in Eve, like the one that you created. So. Uh, that I thought was a genius stroke in terms of uh, you know marketing and community interaction. So they've they literally do weave in the players themselves into uh, the current story of the game, which I thought was absolutely fascinating. That would be pretty cool, I think, if they could uh, if they could do a little bit of that for the for the dust folks, much like some of us, some of us have asked if there's uh, you know any appetite for a this is dust sort of uh, commercial slash activity. So. Again, probably a good idea on Luther Mandrix's part, uh, and it would be kind of interesting to see if they would do something like that. I mean, my my notion, my personal thought is that I, I both, uh, you know, the this is Eve trailer and scope videos are probably an a not insignificant uh, budgetary expense on CCP's part. I know they have you know cinematics people specifically for that, and so the question is is whether or not they'd want to devote those resources to dust. Yeah, sure. Like, like most things. And, and I guess this is a great, uh, a great example of sort of the symptomatic source spots that we have right now, which is it, at some point, you, you know, the idea of having your cake and eat it too is not going to work out well for CCP. So they either need to own up to dust and actually put some level of, you know, like public resources or public effort into it. Um, because they are putting some effort into it. I mean, obviously, you, you've got you've got a, a crew of folks that are actively working on it, but it's nothing public yet. You've got a lot of people that are, are trying to be involved in it and trying to carry the day for a fairly small community. Um, it's a little frustrating, I think, uh, is a is probably a fair way to say it. And it would be kind of cool if you know, other than the than some passing mention at FanFest, which was pretty pretty nice on Helmar's part. Uh, that there be some mention that dust is actually a property of CCPs at some point that uh, they might actually want to attract some new players in. So, you know, that being said, again, it all goes back to the fact that nobody really knows anything about what's happening six months from now with really anything uh, in terms of what's coming on in Shanghai. So it's just unfortunate, uh, but one, one of those things that we've talked about quite a bit. Yeah, I'll leave my usual diatribe about transparency and information aside for the moment because anyone who's heard a random smattering of these episodes has already heard that and just say that I think as far as cost benefit goes, the best way to pursue a link between CCP's various 
properties right now really is lore because there, there are technical hurdles as far as a link and balance and mechanical hurdles as well. But as far as the lore aspect, that's all still connected to New Eden. That doesn't require all of these sort of real world impediments to be dealt with first and being able to kind of give more of a sense of interconnected play even without the mechanics all in place i think would be a real advantage for both of both of the products even if it doesn't alter day-to-day play for either one yeah i totally agree with that and and that's actually kind of a little bit of where i was coming at with uh, some of our questions and some of our commentary coming right out of fan fest was uh and it was somewhat in response to rotati's open-ended question in the uh the dust round table was it i i think lore a lore tie or a storyline tie uh, that, that runs parallel to what's going on in Eve is, you, you know, is is one of those very low effort slash very high impact kind of moves that they could make, um, and they could even structure the language or the flavor around player player events to make them mirror certain things happening, uh, or at least the tone of things happening in Eve. There, I mean, all of the things that happen around in the community side in the uh, the lore. Are, not, not not even the RP part, but just the storyline between the games in New Eden. Again, fair, could be fairly high impact slash you know low outlay, relative low outlay of effort. It'd be nice to see him kind of reach out for that a little bit. So, um, couple couple quick questions. Uh, did anybody? This totally, by the way, sliding utterly off the topic of anything CCP related. Uh, we talked about this a little while ago. Uh, I'm not sure if it was on air or not, but. Has anybody seen the Star Wars Battlefront trailer? I, th- I think we had a couple of people on the channel saw that. Hell yeah, man. That was pretty good. That was pretty good. Uh, as, as with most things, it, it, it advertises it was in-game engine, but you know, it's, it never looks exactly like that when you're playing it. But just the way that they structured the, uh, the trailer, that was an incredibly well-done trailer um, that probably is going to showcase a game that's going to be very popular, particularly as it's timed with the new Star Wars movie release, I think. Oh, it'll be popular anyway, just because it's been, what, 10 years since Battlefront 2? Yeah, something like that, I think. Yeah, it'll it'll be popular even if it, even if it didn't tie in with the, with episode 7, it'll still, it'll still be a massive success. But dude, that, that trailer looked wonderful. Yeah, it, it's really going to be probably the next real competitor to large-scale FPS play uh, that PlanetSide currently owns. Absolutely. Yeah. Honestly, despite my attitudes towards EA, which are none too rosy, we'll just say, um, I think that it's probably going to do even better than PlanetSide just from my initial impressions of it. It's got it's got a lot to recommend it, even aside from the oh, franchise yeah. names of both Star Wars and, and Battlefield. Oh yeah, that's absolutely true. It's there's some really cool iconic things that they they can put in there, and they probably will be. Uh, like I said, you know, roughly ten years since the last one, so you know that they've learned a little, or uh, you hope that they've learned a little bit, and they're putting out a, a pretty good product. I think uh, just in general, by the way, random comment here. I'm a big fan of there being a lot of good titles in any given genre and spreading them across multiple uh, developers or publishers, primarily because when you have healthy competition, like you in the customer normally will end up with a, with a better playing experience over time because people will harvest what works and, and discard the things that doesn't. Legit. 
yeah. So, I mean, who knows? Maybe uh, maybe eventually CCP will pick up on some of the things that uh, other folks are putting out and incorporate them into uh, into into you know dust after next or or whatever if there is going to be one of those. So, should be. I, I do root for other games like that. You know, particularly when you see them coming out. So. Again, very interesting. The, it was definitely the week of trailers, by the way. So Battlefront, you had the second Star Wars trailer come out. Uh, the Batman Superman trailer came out. Uh, so they're pretty good, pretty good movie news floating around. Yeah, I even heard that there was another one called Rogue Rogue Squadron or Rogue One, which may be a trilogy in itself, a movie. Yeah, I think that's like that's like a spinoff. Uh, it, it's it was a, it's a spinoff series that they're developing. I thought they were originally looking at it like a TV show, but apparently it's going to be a movie now, though. So there there is something I'll, I'll give a pre-shout out here, by the way. If anybody's interested in any kind of any kind of like comic book, movie, sci-fi, you know, kind of stuff like that, like pop culture stuff, I really, really highly recommend you check, check out the uh, Weekly Planet podcast. Um it's really, really good. It's two, uh, it's two Australian guys. One of them is a professional comic, and they're they're both extremely knowledgeable about all things, you know, comic book, sci-fi, pop culture, video game, and and it is a very, very humorous podcast. And actually, has some pretty good, um, pretty good, pretty good uh, newsworthy type stuff in there. Uh, and they also are, I think, are part, mm, editors or at least contributors to comic book movie comicbookmovie.com which is a pretty uh, pretty well known website for movie news of, about that kind of genre but pretty good stuff in there so the highlight of my week was actually seeing the uh, two things one was the Superman vs. Batman you know the Dawn of Justice I think they're calling it uh, trailer that was actually pretty good I thought it was pretty well done definitely shades of the Dark Knight Returns in there uh, and then the next thing which I'm I'm as as you guys may or may not know I'm, I'm a I'm a bit of a fan of Deadpool, and uh, just a bit. <laughs> really? I never knew. And, uh, I've been uh, I've been scamming some of the uh, the HD images coming out of the the movie set. Just uh, absolutely spot on. Just looks it looks as much as an HD movie still can look. It looks really really good so far, and I'm patiently waiting for basically the world to end somewhere in the you know February 2016 time zone. You know. Basically, when the movie comes out, so that you know, pretty much anything that anyone wants to put out, and it's going to stop culture as we know it. I, I'm fairly confident of that because people just basically weep at the at the works of Ryan Reynolds and know that we can never achieve the greatness that is the Deadpool movie. I'm just saying, not that I'm hanging a lot of hopes on that, by the way. It's almost Aeon Amati like in my in my investment in the Deadpool franchise. But it's eerie, but it's true. It's entertaining to say the least. As, as so. long as you don't take any of the um, people who work for you, I, I'll, I'll just say, with you to the movie to deal with things if it doesn't go your way. It'll probably be fine. <laughs> That's pretty funny. It'll be an interesting show that week, depending on how good it is. Either Jay will be in his room throwing things around in rage or, you know, left like a schoolgirl talking about it for an hour and a half. You, you did see the, uh, the April Fool's joke that uh, Ryan Reynolds put out on that, didn't you? Oh, that it's rated PG-13? Yeah, th- yeah, where he beats down Slater. That was hilarious. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> if, if, if the whole movie is that, I'm happy. <laughs> hey, we might be able to get uh, odds on Eve bet on how good it is. Oh, you probably can, actually. <laughs> so, 
I suspect, I suspect that'll be a, a, a pretty good thing to do. Well, you know, I did catch something that I thought was interesting. The Judge Dredd movie that came out um, was about a year ago uh, with Carl Urban. Did you guys see that? Well, yeah. was that the one with the psychic girl? Yeah, that was uh, that was done on a very very low budget. Uh, it was done very well. Don't get me wrong. When I say low budget, not in it was shittily done, but but it also lost money and can't get a sequel. If uh, I don't think it lost money, dude. In fact, I'm pretty sure it did. Like I'm very sure it didn't lose money. I liked it. It, it beat uh, Sylvester Stallone's Judge Dredd hands down. I mean, I, very good. I enjoyed it, but from my understanding, it was not a financial success. I think that depends. I mean, if you're talking about only in the U.S., maybe. But my understanding is, like, when you look at the global numbers, it it did pretty well. Again, low budget, uh, but it did it did pretty solid. And I, I think if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, they've got a, a pretty solid budget for Deadpool, but it's much much lower than something like the Avengers or you know all that other kind of jazz. Because if you think about it, they can actually, you know, the whole character around Deadpool. There's no no crazy. Uh, special effects, really. I think the, probably the biz- biggest special effects they're going to see will probably be uh, the the Colossus character. Probably a lot of CGI involved in that, if I'm not mistaken. But probably, other than that, yeah, it's it's going to probably take that very low, lean and mean sort of uh, production production cut. But again, everything I've seen so far looks really good. It looks like Zell might be right. According to the wiki for the Dread movie, it uh, it cost an estimated forty five million, and it only netted uh, forty one million at the box office. So it was slightly under under uh, profitability. That's in the U.S. or is that global? Uh, it's not saying right here, but I, I'll keep looking. Okay. I mean, yeah, it, I mean, it, it was a it was a, a decent movie. I, I ended up picking it up on Blu-ray because I got it for five dollars. Um, with 3D, which is pretty impressive for 3D, 3D, uh, 3D Blu-ray for five bucks. So, no, and trust me, I'm not doubting you that it, it didn't. It, it was not a giant commercial success. Uh, my, you know, the only point I would make on that is, um, Dread is was actually it's a British comic. It's much bigger. The character itself culturally is much much more well known in yeah, Europe. Yeah, I, I have here. a I have a, a British friend who. Um, Pretty much every social network post he posts is about dread, <laughs> um, but uh, you know, and I it it has its fans. A lot of people want it, want a sequel to that movie, um, but uh, from my understanding, there's it's at the point that there's no way it could happen. Uh, it's certainly possible. Although I have seen like I, I think like is it continued. Uh, rumors is probably the best way to describe it. Now the, the quote unquote in talks or whatever. But the, the creator, nothing. the creator of it said, it's just it's not happening. It's no way. Um, I mean, it's it is it's very hard to to really make a big market success out of an R-rated uh, superhero f- or comic book film. Um, I I don't I personally I rarely enjoy them actually. Um, but. Uh, you know, it's just it. It you're limiting your market, and that is why there's always such a big push to go PG-13. True, Which is oh, ironic right. because of how much you limit story options by adhering to the way they do those ratings. I actually feel that uh, it's. It, I I usually find that when people make R-rated films, they feel that because they're doing an R-rated film, they have to have a certain amount of. Uh, violence and nudity 
just because they they're an R-rated film and and that sort of thing. I see that in I would say most of the R-rated films that I see and it's one of the reasons I don't like going to see R-rated films is because I feel they compromise their story to to hit those bars. Um there are a select few movies um that R-rated are that I feel very tastefully use are as needed to tell their story and and that's it they just made their story and whatever rating it got it got i felt dread was one of those cases where they they used it very everything they did was done to serve the story it was a very well put together movie i think a lot of it depends on the property you look at because uh, i by the way i agree with you on that zell um if you look at some of the you know like the really you know critically acclaimed you know comic book properties for example when you read them right off the page that they are you know many of them would be r-rated like if you made them literally as they are depicted on the page oh sure the the dialogue is obviously much more cleaned up than the uh the implications and the imagery that you see in comic book panels Uh, and that's really i think usually what makes the difference is many a lot of the dialogue will be um you know under 18 friendly in a comic book in some cases, but the situations and the tone and like the actual action on the panel certainly isn't. If you look at some of the really, the really serious, uh, you know, comic book offers, the Watchmen was a great example of that, which that, that movie was actually done relatively well. They did kind of jump to shark at the end and, and they changed the, the story, but overall it was done very well. Um, Judge Dredd's another good example of that where that, that's definitely a, a fairly adult adult set of material that goes into that you know believe it or not the um a lot of thing a lot of the mainstream uh marvel characters and and some of the mainstream dc characters some of their stories some of their most seminal stories are some pretty adult tone in it um the dark knight dark knight returns which is there's definitely elements of that in the upcoming superman v batman movie that whole that that book was very adult in nature uh, in terms of when you when you look at the the actual subject matter of it, uh, Daredevil, believe it or not, was there. There were so, several runs of Mark Miller's uh, Daredevil that was by anybody's stretch uh, R-rated. Speaking of R-rated and Daredevil, anybody caught uh, Daredevil on Netflix? By the way, yep, I have oh, seen yeah. it. Um, I think it's I think it's pretty good. I think it's decent. I enjoyed it. Um, I, I think it's way overrated by the internet, though. Um, it's not nearly as good as people make it out to be. Is that because they're com- you think they're comparing it to the the Ben Affleck version? Um, no, I think it's just like I, I think there's a huge trend right now. Um, there's a, there's a big, particularly in the case of Netflix series and HBO series, um, that for some reason that the the whole again the adult tone content is 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 just like this great better thing for some reason to some people um which i i personally don't agree with i don't i i mean it was a it was a good show i enjoyed it um but it's it's you know people's like one of the things that people hang on is that you know wilson fisk there's a lot of of character detail put into the villain of this of this series which is great but when you break it down i i still feel like you can actually match most of the villains you know characters in the series to fairly common stereotypes so i mean it didn't strike me as this like amazingly original piece that that uh, some people have advocated it as 
Um, but I enjoyed it. It was good. I, you know, you, you kind of, you end up binge watching it because Netflix drops a season, you know, at one time. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, so there's, there's really not a lot of anticipation of what's coming next because you just end up staying up all night. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I, I would, I would offer that. I, I don't, I don't know that I picked, I, I did not pick up on a vibe that it was, uh, in terms of like internet rumblings, that it was, uh, you know, groundbreaking stuff. I, I think for for what it is, which is effectively a, uh, I got told it was like the best thing ever by like twenty people. Now nah, I would I would definitely just disagree with that. I would say it was very very well done in the form of a uh, mini series, basically a very a very uh, enhanced exposition of, of like how of where Matt Murdock came from in that world, which, if I'm not mistaken, is tied to the to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, yeah. there yeah, it is. Cannon, it that? is a MCU tie. It's very very subtle though. Um, really, the only thing is because it it does take place um, in New York. Obviously, the Avengers movies in New York. Um, they refer to they refer to the Avengers movie as the incident in in one one uh, portion, and there's a couple of times you'll see clips of. Uh, a front page of a paper for the Battle of New York, and that's that's really the significant extent of it. It's not a deep connection, um, which is understandable because it it kind of needs to stand on its own as a series, and it it's a very obviously a very very different tone than you see in other MCU properties. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And if and you know, once if you look at the character of Daredevil and kind of over time, I think one of the reasons it works very well on the Netflix. You know, uh, the next the Netflix venue is what's always driven that character is not so much flashy powers and huge battles and stuff like that. It's literally the storyline of the character itself. And and the best runs of the comic have always been when it's much more about, you know, Matt Murdock and what is going on, you know, around him. And Daredevil is a vehicle for for the story to move. Uh, Those have been really, really good. And, And. you know, very, like I said, very adult in some cases. Uh, so I, I think that that works. That character works really, really well. Like kind of the the street character, if you will, works really, really well with the Netflix sort of movie of the week kind of or really yeah. miniseries kind of style. I mean, the the only it's it's kind it feels like kind of an oddity almost that you know it it does make it clear that it's part of the same universe, and yet you you wonder like you know. Does, you know, they're talking about a masked vigilante. Don't you realize that you know there's like a bunch of costume people who show who show up in this city every so often and and go wreck big threats, but and, and because they don't mention any of them, um, unlike uh, Agents of Shield, which drops Avenger names like candy um, on Halloween. But uh, you know, the I think the realization is that like if you look at the plot line of Daredevil, it's too small. It, it, which works for what it's telling, but it's not. It fits because you couldn't possibly fathom this being something that gets Tony Stark dressed in the morning. Well, I think yeah, but that's and, and again, without going too deep into it, because I'm I'm not a huge, I'm not a massive Daredevil fan. I'm pretty conscious of it though, in, in where it relates in Marvel, that's kind of his thing though. He, like he's he doesn't go after like like he doesn't save the world. Like there's like that's not his thing. He's he's all about beating down the dude that's like robbing somebody on the corner. Um, he is definitely. You know, if you look how Marvel kind of breaks out their characters, they've got 
sort of the like the upper end of the of the spectrum, which is which is the Avengers, which literally do what you see in the movie. Like every like every fifth epi- every fifth comic book of the Avengers uh, primary uh, you know primary property or their primary comic book, they're saving the world or some multi-dimensional aspect. The F- Fantastic Four are very much the same. They're forever doing some kind of massive you know jumping into you know the multiverse and saving shit on the other side of time and space. Uh, those are like the really, really high end components of it. Then below that, you you probably have one one tier below that is probably the X Men in terms of like the import of what they do. They do world changing stuff that impacts the Marvel universe, but generally it's very specific to like how mutants are written in the Marvel universe. And then you then you keep kind of drilling it down. You get into what I would refer to kind of the, as the literally the street level people, and many of them are are. You know, Daredevil is clearly probably the the most well known. Spider Man is probably the most well known street level hero um, in terms of how Marvel stacks its folks. So it'll be interesting to see. Like I said, I thought it was pretty good. Uh, I, I'll give it a decent review. I've seen almost all of them. Haven't watched the last one yet, but uh, it's the fight scenes. By the way, really really good. I, I would I definitely give them props for that. So they they did some good work on there. I like how character driven it is personally, just like the lore aspect side, because I'm certainly not the most deeply versed in daredevil, but they don't have any out and out villains for the most part. Like you can find some element of sympathy with almost every character, even when it's clear who's on balance, you know, doing more for others or not. No one presumes Wilson Fisk is an awesome guy, but you can kind of understand where he's coming from too, which is, a lot more legit than some of the black and white ways the comics are often done. Yeah, no, I think that's, that's actually pretty legit. Um, the, you know, I, I would compare it to like, I can imagine how they would have done the arrow on, on a venue like Netflix, you know, not just like standard cable TV. Uh, it probably would have been not that dissimilar from how they've laid out daredevil. And, and by the way, I'm a big fan of arrow. That's actually really well done for what is normally uh, you know, kind of a second fiddle character in DC Comics. You know, in terms of Green Arrow, that's again very well done. So the interesting thing to me on Arrow, I'm, we, we are so sidebarring this episode, and Jay's here. This makes no sense. Jay actually started the sidebar with the whole Deadpool thing. Um, well, there you go. It makes sense. I, I thought it was funny though because Arrow was not connected to Smallville because they wanted to go all serious and gritty and and do you know, the realism bit and like in season one of Arrow, they went as, as far as they could to avoid anything out that, that stretched the imagination. You know, it was really meant to be grounded and, uh, you know, now they're tied in, you know, they've got the tied in crossovers with flash and they have, you know, a super, you know, kind of a superhero human serum and they've got, uh, Ray Shaw Ghoul, who's obviously got his whole immortality thing going on, and and they've they've really just like completely gone into full you know full Justice League mode, which which is kind of interesting given the origins of the show. Oh, absolutely, and my understanding is that was actually a very planned move on their part uh, that they literally laid out uh, a track where it was kind of like here's the line when we will. When, when it'll go full comic book, you know, uh, they, they've done a very good job of organizing that show uh, and they cast it very well too. Like, and, and don't get me wrong, like, like any kind of superhero movie or fantasy movie or sci-fi movie and that kind of 
like nerd geeky shit that we're all into because we're talking about we're on a podcast talking about science, science fiction first person shooter games. So we let's be real, we all kind of fall on that. Just some of us are you know have much more testosterone than others. So uh, they cast that very well. That is just a very well done series. Period. Uh, and that's kind of the way I would I would frame um, you know the Daredevil one. They could have called it anything else. Uh, and then change the color of the suit to like blue or whatever the hell, and and it would it would have worked. So let's see. I'm trying to think. Uh, what? A, by the way, this was not a sidebar. This was actually a planned move to talk about anything else that was floating around in pop culture that we might all be interested in, or either games or movies. By the way, so yes, there was a plan and a method to did, my madness. Did, did we talk about all the dust stuff yet? Okay. All right. Regale me of what dust stuff you want to talk about. Um. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks. Well, shall, shall we shall we describe what Kane Spiro is doing to his own limbs, waiting for PC discussion to happen on the show? Because I, I think um, he's short <laughs> one or two of them by now. What, he, is he? Wait, he's, over there, he's over there talking about kind of smacking the Skype channel. channel but, no, when are we going to do the PC discussion? He chose not to show up on the show. You know, if well, he showed well, up on the show, maybe we'd have something to talk about. Yeah, I don't know. Exactly. Like I would have, I would have been, I would have been somewhat bound to actually engage that as a topic uh and, and then luther actually had some good pc ideas but i thought this would be great we could get all these dudes together they can talk and i can do other things you know basically play my ipad okay okay so doing this and so anyways um ideas i don't like um there was the the proposal that uh, uh Rattati was talking about making uh skirmish fact war exclusive potentially yeah that's a good topic actually I, I like really, it. really, really dislike this. I really, really like it. I passionately dislike the idea of making the um, the experience of new players and people who don't want to suffer through Fac War the two worst game modes ever created for a first person shooter. Okay, can you can you say that again one more time? Can I break it out uh, a little slower? Um, domination ambush suck, and I don't think that that should be the only experience people get in pubs. Well, it won't be. There will be acquisition, even if Skirm was migrated sure. to Fakwar. But we have yet to see how good acquisition actually plays, because I haven't played it yet, and neither have you. Well, can't so, we possibly uh, get a high-sec area of space in Fakwar that uh, could be like it is now? I don't know. I mean, it's, it's certainly possible. I mean... I, I think I, I think if the idea is to differentiate the tiers of games or the tiers of of competitive uh, of competitive play, which is kind of what it sounds like you described. I, I do remember catching this post, by the way. Um, I, I think obviously there would have to be a, several other changes other than just differentiating these, because so let's think through the, Let's think this through here. So one, you if you did this, let's let's say if. The ways that you would have the things you would probably need to do to make it viable, you would have to have ISK involved in faction warfare, like legitimate amounts of ISK invo- involved in faction warfare, or dramatically increase the LP involved, like incredibly. That's one. Uh, and then part two is what the fuck was the point of the whole matchmaking change then, if that's what you did? Uh, or would it be that they would have to tune matchmaking to solidly look at? only ambush and domination style matches and, and tune the matchmaking construct or rubric 
to to those specific game modes. Um, Domination is a terrible game mode. It it literally like when when acquisition becomes a thing, I personally think they should just torch domination. Well, you, you can you can say it's a terrible game mode to you, and, and there, there's probably a fair amount of people that would agree with you. But I would also say that dominations, that, uh, there are a lot of play, people that play it now. Is that because there's lo- there's not a lot of other options to play? Maybe. Yeah. I don't know, but there's a certain simplicity to it. Like when I don't want to think, and I just want to I just want to shoot. I find domination far more far more enticing than ambush. Let me put it that way. And plus, well, that's a that's long. a very low bar to meet there. Um, I mean, ambushes problems. Okay, are... and then what else would you offer? Because we basically have three game modes. Period. And whether you want to call acquisition a fucking different thing, it's it's a it's a hybrid between skirm and domination. It's acquisition really acquisition is is in in the way domination should work. I I don't I don't see why my my personal opinion is that, and it's it's separate because there are people who obviously like what domination is now but i personally think that acquisition is what domination should be well i think it's important to look at the reasoning ratati had for making the suggestion in the first place which is basically that he feels that skirmish can often be disorienting for a new player because you jump into a match and there's five objectives and they're all flipping around you're running all over the place and you're lost and i think that that disorientation is actually a pretty valid point I, however, don't think you should be removing uh, skirmish from pub matches because I think that having domination as the only objective-based mode in, in, a, in a pub match, which is what new players will be playing, I feel that domination is actually more intense. It's more simplistic, but it's also more intense than your standard skirm because it, it's it's very focused. The problem so with I think, Dom is that you the the deter the winning the winner of Dom can be determined usually in about forty seconds into the match. Sure, in, in, but but the simplicity is is certainly there. It's very straightforward, single objective. I, I get that. I think that's fine for pubs, even though it's it's pretty intense. But I don't think it should be the only objective based game mode available. Now, what you could do is is split it in that perhaps three point skirmish matches, which is a little more complicated than dom. It's three points, but still pretty focused. Could be in pubs, and then you can move your four and five point skirmishes to be factor exclusive because that's a bit more large scale, uh, you know, team co- cooperation and, and whatnot. And so I think you would attain kind of that sense of simplicity in in pubs, which is what he's going for, but still maintain the you know the full skirmish in both you know factor and in pubs, which would give people more options without restricting them, but still getting that that new player experience bonus. How about this here? Uh- with matchmaking and with everything going into fact war what if matchmaking uh split up the player base into squatted and non-squatted people what if we had those three point matches that had no squads and it just put the randoms all together and they played basically a high sec uh skirmish as it is you know that's what I want them. I, I would love for that to happen to ambush in particular. I think ambush would be a much better game mode without squads. Um, there's really no purpose for squads in ambush to begin with. Um, I don't know if I would want to do that for skirmish per se. I think your biggest problem if you were to try and do anything where you split um, group play and solo play on the same game mode is that you're both you're splitting your player base. 
and you're also, by not having any soloers in the queue with your groups, you're going to have a near-impossible time filling um, full teams. The matchmaking logic itself becomes somewhat problematic at that point, just because of how a squad is defined. I mean, are you a squad if you've formed a squad of one? Which is probably yes, but at that point, is that just a workaround that people use for going into the other match type? Or, you know, what about a squad of two or three? Are you now sort of mechanically discouraging anyone who doesn't have a full slate of people to squad with from squatting at all? What about people, you know, sort of queue syncing into the squadless thing using simultaneous queuing in a custom voice chat? There, there are a number of ways that that sort of system can kind of be gamed to a certain extent, um, where it's not quite as cut and dry as it might seem on first blush. Good, good thoughts, guys. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I, I think Pokey's onto it that you really got to figure out like why, what was driving that 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 public thought, you know, uh, and that's where you got to got to kind of run the run the table from on this one. I'm not a huge fan of splitting the player player base. I just don't. I just it's not it's not self sufficient enough to really take off if you do that. I don't think that's just my opinion. Yeah. Well, the the other aspect I'm, is I'm that gonna matchmaking. Quote Sparrow. I'm going to quote him. Oh no! This is this is scary. Kane Sparrow says, "Dom is the worst game mode. Should die in a fire." Really, I fully support that. Well, aren't you the guy that told us that anything that comes out of Kane Sparrow's mouth is somewhat slimy and suspect, and generally will give your ears some sort of bacterial fungus? Or I don't think fungus? I said that, but it's probably sure true. Like, I, I don't I think I said you. that, but it's that? probably true that. in most cases. Totally heard that. Well, well, guys, one thing: in order to have matches, uh, like right now, uh, Mimitar and Galante, for the most part, they're winning. And so the guys that play Amar and Kaldari, even though they may be loyalists, a lot of them are going in there. They're not squatted. They're getting rolled constantly, time and time again. They're never getting the 75 points to skill up. So they're, they're at low tiers. They're getting low LP. And then the other guys are just going skyrocket, level 8, level 9. Who knows how far they are getting tremendous amounts of LP. You know, if you're going to fight for the losing side, you have to get rewarded. That's all there is to it. Because if you don't have those guys there, the the guys that are winning don't get to play a match. Yeah, you're absolutely right on that. And that's one of my two primary things that I think are kind of hardline requirements if Skirm were to migrate into a fact war only scenario is that losing you can no longer gain zero standing with the with the side you were fighting for and that faction warfare has to become livable now that's a shift in the lp store so that you can build full viable fittings from one factional lp store and that payouts are normalized to the isk market in some way so that you're not having you know Weapon X be vastly superior to the ISK variant, while Weapon Z is drastically overpriced compared to the ISK variant. Um, possibly ISK payouts in Fact Warfare as well, or everything being converted to LP, whatever the case may be. But just those two elements, you have to be able to progress, even if you lose, and you have to be able to sustain your action 
through fac war alone without those there's no way to make it a self-sustaining game mode which it has to be if it's going to be an exclusive content thing yeah i like those ideas a lot you know the the whole thing i mean you have a lot of lp but you can't spend it on a suit for another faction so you, you it's like you gotta turn on your faction in order to go get a specific piece of gear i don't like that part yeah, yeah, the LP stores definitely need to be fleshed out more fully so that you can actually build an entire fitting from within one faction. And, you know, I, I like to maintain the racial themes. Like, there are rifles within every faction. Um, obviously, vehicles need some parity. There are some other things that definitely need some parity. And hopefully we're going to get that in the game in general regardless. But the ability to say, all right, I want to play an assault or a heavy or a lodgy or a scout in whatever faction and build a viable fit from only faction gear, I think is a ground floor minimum requirement if you're going to be making fact warfare a more robust thing, much less making skirmish a fact warfare exclusive type scenario. Uh, there's also a weirdness with matchmaking, which I've noticed, and I don't know how the match spin-up logic works exactly, and it's not technically matchmaking in fact war, I guess, but Today, for example, I was running my usual all factions, you know, rainbow deployment for Fac War, and I ended up on the wrong side of three stomps in a row, each for different factions. And the first two are the ones that really highlighted it for me because I was up against a Q Sync um, as Amar from the Minmatar, and then up against a Q Sync as Minmatar from the Amar. And it was just intriguing to me that within, you know, the space of one hour, there were these squads that were obviously still on and still playing, both Q-syncing into matches on opposing sides of the line, and rather than being placed against each other, they were both being placed against groups of almost completely random players. And I don't know exactly how the logic can be updated to account for that sort of thing, but there's definitely something to be said for looking into why synced squads very frequently, if anecdotally, end up against more random players and small, you know, two-man squads, whereas they um, theoretically have the option to run more into each other, and that tends to not happen. Well, that would be really great to look into that. uh, You know, uh, on a side note, uh, one thing that I always uh, wanted to try was each side... You know, you're fighting for a Galante, you use all Galante equipment. You fight for a Mar, you use all Mar equipment. It It's like, what is, what would it, the battle be like, you know? It, it's the kind of what if. Oh, I can tell you how that would work. If you tried to do that, it would, uh, depending on the map, it would, it would go very poorly. <laughs> like, that, that's the reality of it, is without the ability to, to adapt to the environment based on like the weapon systems or the the suit like the suit strengths that you have, it, it, it could it could turn out really really poorly really quick. Uh, so you could be in a very close quarters centric urban fight where it's really stand and trade where Amar and Galente would tend to do better, uh, or you and then when you would try to bring in shield tankers or uh, or Mimitar faction stuff, which generally relies on speed and some hybrid tanking, shit would just get torn up. Uh, if you're in a much more open map, it, it kind of depends. But if the if the districts you were playing on 
uh, were racial were actually racially themed a little bit that played a little bit a little bit not a lot but a little bit to the strengths of the individual racial uh, racial weapon systems like ground combat systems there might be something to that now I I will say this though having messed around with trying to figure out how do you get fits from the LP store what I think might be an interesting option is if there were pre-fit suits that you got as an award as a reward not just but not just like salvage like standard prefits that are all like yellow boxed uh if you got like full sets uh so imagine getting a fitted ship in eve as an as a reward or something like that which basically means you can move the things in and out of the module and the weapon slots but you would get a fitted drop suit or a set of fitted drop suits uh, and you can either piecemeal them you know break them down sell them or exchange some things on them yeah. that's actually not a bad way to teach people uh how to set up things along racial lines but the reality is like there's just everybody talks about racial parity a lot of people what they really mean is like i want all, all the races to have um the same number of stuffs but racial parity actually what it what it probably should mean is that all four races can be equally viable across the spectrum of combat in in new eden you know, certain things take, being taken into consideration. So, but we're nowhere. I don't think we're quite close to that yet, based on how how things are laid out in the game. Yeah, I I like that, Jay. Uh, now, one one thought that I had about something similar to that is your lifetime LP for faction warfare all accumulated together. If there was a a track where every who knows? Every ten thousand, every one hundred thousand LP uh, that from all four races, or five or six, if we add pirate and PC and all that, that there could be a BPO module, whatever you know, a drop suit that would unlock, and everyone could get it, and then you would have uh, a reason to grind. Yeah, yeah, no, I can see that. I mean. Like I said, there's there's like a ton of different options they had. And I think it's um, there, there's a lot of pathways they could take to do all these things. I'm just I don't know what the right answer is. I just know that um, you you really got to take a, a much more deep look into into faction warfare and all the derivative things like the LP store and um, h- how you want things to interact within the game world. Almost on the same level that they're doing the PC revamp, but. It's been pretty clear that Rattati's established that he's not going to put that energy into faction warfare. He's putting pretty much all of his energy into the PC uh, PC system, at least in terms of a game mode. Or, or at least that's what he's publicly said. Now, if he's talking about changing things up where you're trying to increase the um, attractiveness of faction warfare, maybe, I don't know, maybe he's relooking some things or he's structuring, structuring things differently for his future plans. And, and probably Cross and Shrike could talk more about that than I can. Yeah, I think it was more that, that he is focused on PC as sort of a marquee feature, and thus he wants to get it right first, not only. Um, the, the plan, as I understand it, is more of a trying to provide a gradation within the game, and you could kind of look at it as academy to pub to fac war to pc so that while you wouldn't be pushed out of anything except obviously the academy um, the notion is that players could find at any given time sort of their level 
of intensity or, you know, like focus that they want to play with and they can kind of naturally gravitate to those things and have more of a gray area so that it's not just you're used to playing, say, ambush and that's one thing and you kind of run solo and that's great. And then suddenly you're in a fact war and there's friendly fire and there are five objectives and the gains are all or nothing and the win matters more than your own personal stats and what's going on here. Or even worse, PC, where, you know, it's almost this whole other world in a certain sense because it just plays so differently, despite a lot of the fundamental mechanics being the same. It's um, the, the look is essentially trying to find ways to foster acclimation through natural play instead of these stark breakpoints between different play modes. Yeah, no, I think that's a very, very valid way of looking at it right now. If I may, um, Luther, I know you were talking earlier about um, limiting uh, suits uh, for specific factions to go into, uh, into that faction, so say... Um, from what I understood, if somebody were fighting for Amar, they could only use uh, stuff from the Amar loyalty store, correct? Um, well, it's just a it's just a dream, you know, a what if, oh, you know, sure. to see one battle where everybody's they're they're fighting with Amar gear, you know, you drop know. suits, guns, everything, and and the other guys are all Mimitar, you know, it'd be it'd be cool. Oh sure, I, I I agree. But then um, thinking about that from a uh, from a Lodgy standpoint, the Lodgy uses the you know the Mimitar rep tool. Um, at least it, I believe it's Mimitar. Um, so the everybody else who uh, who doesn't run Mimitar Lodgy won't be able to use a rep tool um, because you know they're fighting uh, for Amar. Or or, uh, or Galente, they're you're taking away something that's obviously important to a uh, uh, to that role um, from from what it sounds like. Yeah, well, hopefully uh, someday we'll have all that gear for each uh, loyalty store. Yep, and like I said, guys, this, this is one of these things where you can easily. Uh, I mean, there's just a ton of whiteboard material here that would be great if we could, uh, you know, bring CCP Crusher back onto the show at some point and, and kind of just have like a, a player roundtable, like our own little version of a player roundtable with him, which uh, which would be kind of cool, which which I think would be kind of cool. We could probably facilitate that for for uh, him or uh, you know CCP Aquaman or Aqua Velva or whatever the fuck that dude's name is. Uh, we that'd be kind of oh, cool. yeah, you know, that's that that guy. We could bring him. We could bring him on and have like literally a community, a uh, moderated community roundtable that was that would uh, essentially mimic what he did at FanFest, uh, and you could do it in a fairly controlled fashion. And you can kind of get at some of this stuff and just lay out some topical discussions on fact war or PC or or the lore or other things. Like it's a ton of whiteboard material here that we could easily create whole shows on. Um, one of the things I did want to kind of transition over to because we're going to start running long here in a little bit uh recently pokey exposed himself and uh, and we wanted to give him an opportunity to kind of uh talk about his uh his exposure so pokey can you please (laughs) describe the exposure that uh that you and zell have been talking about now why you you and here referring to referring to this in the 
in that term I don't know, but it's it's a bit sketchy. And I'm, I'm very curious what this is. This is this is actually this is kind of kind of weird. I, I mean, we're talking about people exposing themselves on the podcast. I don't I, I don't know. We we don't really have a rating, but I think if we did, that would probably cross it. This is kind of weird, says the guy who recently commented that girls can change their clothes as much as they want as long as he can watch. <laughs> <laughs> shots fired and that happened and it's recorded <laughs> yeah yeah no it's, it's it's in the skype channel too we can we can quote that but yeah no i i mentioned earlier in the show that uh i recently uh, wrote up a, a pretty lengthy blog post and it was more in the spirit of the fact that it's been about a year since uh fan fest 2014 and subsequently Ritati joining the the team as the lead of the the dust 514 project and uh Obviously, we saw a pretty big shift in the amount of player communication between the developers and the players. I mean, you can look at the development archive on the forums and, and see pages upon pages of threads that Rattati opened asking for player feedback. And it was extremely different than what we were used to. And I, I think it's it's no no surprise that the game was certainly not doing well up until that point, which kind of led into the whole Project Legion and, and all of that. And then when Rattati came on board, things were pretty much at critical mass and, and it certainly things improved. And I, I think that anyone can say that a large part of that was because of the player involvement in improving the game. So I, I wrote an article. Uh, it's like I said, it's a little lengthy, but it's mostly about uh, the benefits that video game companies have from involving players in the development. And it cites several uh, very good games and, and, and uh, currently being uh, current games that are currently being developed that are, are taking player uh, feedback in, and it's it's certainly had a very positive uh, impact on the game as well as its development. And I, I go into to discuss why this is important and and why it's necessary, especially in in this day and age where you know player involvement is is all more common and players are beginning to expect that. And like I said, CCP in the past had been not handling that very well and Rattati certainly changed that and that's a good thing but it also goes into talking about why we need more of this and, and what we need to do in order to, to to make this player connection with the developers much stronger and more robust so the game can continue to thrive and expand because obviously post FanFest we all had expectations of what was and wasn't possible and those expectations have been obviously uh, broken with subsequent patches and updates and full new releases. So this is a good thing and it needs to continue and, and become more of a thing. So I, I, I think that I won't get too much into it because I, I do want you to go and actually read the article. And it, like I said, it's long, but the, the fact remains that we, we need to push for both Rattati and CCP as a whole, that you know, player involvement in the development plan is extremely important. It's proven itself to be valuable to the company and the player base and the quality of the game. And I think that we really need to to, to remind them that you know the reason Dust has improved so much in the last year is because of this involvement, and it needs to continue and it needs to be you know expanded upon. So. You know, get in the article and, and talk about it on the forums. I mean, this—I'm only one voice, and you know, 
they may or may not listen to me and one voice doesn't really matter what matters is the, the voice of the whole so people need to talk about this they need to to be more vocal and saying yes we like having a say having a say is good for the company it's good for the game and we want more of this so uh, really guys get your feedback out there and we we need to to push for this because this is extremely important and it, it needs to happen so yeah, I, I I would appreciate you take a look at it and by all means voice your opinion because it needs to be heard if this game is going to continue to be successful for years to come. Awesome. And now that we've been uh, fully exposed to Pokey's full frontal academia. That's, wall, wall, uh, wall of text. Full frontal wall of text. Go for it. Absolutely. And there's a thing called a tilde. Uh, and not a dildo, a tilde. Uh, that I would recommend that you writing, if you're going to write the word expose, I think there's a little thingy there. So anyway, on that note, I think we're going to kind of bring this airplane uh, airplane to the ground because we've been kind of going at it for a little bit. And contrary to popular belief, this was all more or less by design. So we've established tonight. Let's see. We've established that there's a meeting next week sometime soon to talk about things that, we do, that we're not allowed to know about yet, but hopefully in the near future we are. Uh, that's one. Uh, we've also established that everybody thought Judge – well, at least everybody in here thought Judge Dredd was okay, but it made no money. It's not going to have another sequel, although it probably should. And Carl Urban did a pretty good job, I think. We've also established that uh, Daredevil was pretty legit as a Netflix miniseries, uh, but there's relative value in in uh, how far we can become movie critics because some of us are much more talented at it than others, and others others of us in the room basically have no taste. Not pointing any f- fingers, but it looks like a guy with a bowl cut. And if you go watch the videos from FanFest, you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> So we've also established that uh, comic book movies, fantasy, sci-fi, and all that other kind of stuff is generally sort of the uh, red meat for the group. And again, we're all playing a sci-fi shooter, talking about it on a podcast on a Sunday night when we could be doing anything else. So I think that sort of clears up at least where we're at on that uh, in, the, in, the, in the I like it or don't like it scale. We've also established that Kane Sparrow, when he asks for a topic and doesn't show up, we blindly go into whatever other random topic that I want to because I didn't think through enough uh, other topics to actually have a sane backup strategy. So at that point, I start whipping shit out of my pocket and laying it on the table. Uh, I think we've also established that uh, Iron Wolf... Does that mean the whole uh, biomass cast has now exposed themselves? Exactly. You're on it like dog on it, man. I think we've also established that Iron Wolf Saber is playing it safe tonight because he never dropped down from the listening channel because he wasn't sure which way this whole fucking grease fire was going to go. But that's okay too, and that's a that's a well that's a well played on his part. And we've also established that Sir Manboy, even though he's not in the channel but he's talking on Skype, can follow our conversation and have a fantastic discussion with me about a Star Wars game back from when we were both like freshmen in college. So. On that note, we're going to do some freaking shout-outs, and we're going to go get some alcohol, and we're going to get out of this place. All right, so we're going to start at the top of the list. We're going to work our way down for shout-outs. Bait, give me some shout-outs, bro. Uh, shout-out to my corporation, Demonic Cowboys. Um, shout-out to the lovely people on the forums uh, for providing um, myself with some rather entertaining posts uh, and shout out to everybody who has taken the time to read my uh, post on the blog. It's very much appreciated, and your feedback is always welcome. 
Awesome. Okay, Cross. Shout out to the folks in feedback and ideas for actually taking the time to give me, I think it's three pages and growing of feedback on the myofibes and how they're affecting everyone's gameplay. Most of you even understand what a template is and how to use it when I outline that and provide it. So well done to all of you there. Um, to the others, reading is useful. It, it benefits things. But either way, that, that'll be stuff I'm forwarding to CCP shortly. So if you haven't gotten in on that from when I announced it last week, totally go to the forums, take a look, get your word in on the myofibes. Um, shout out to the locker room of all crazy places because the barbers are decent neighbors so far. And as previously mentioned, the triage ward is now active. So for all of your lodging needs, check that out. And um, shout out to CCP Frame for lending me his glue and getting some links set up in rookie training grounds so that our new bro lodgies have somewhere to go to ask some questions and hopefully get some help. Well done. And Luther Mandrix. Hello. A shout out uh, to you guys. your biomass blog website uh, i love it and uh, shout outs to wasteland junk removal and, and dust and and all the devs in shanghai uh, thanks and uh hopefully uh these hackers can stop messing with the servers okie dokie pokey yeah, a shout out to everyone who's been helping with the blog and contributing. Uh, you've been doing great. We'd love to get more people. So anyone who's interested, let us know and we'll get you set up. Thanks, guys. Poke, uh, gosh, Soraya, sorry about that, Pokey. Yeah. yeah, you don't want to insult him by, by referring to me, I guess. I don't know. Right. Um, but uh, I'm going to give my shout out to uh, Neckbeard Nixon, who tags me on nearly every tweet ever. Um, ensuring that uh, my inbox is full of uh, uh, both tw- uh, emails that say Neckbeard Nixon has uh, mentioned you in a tweet and uh, several hundred messages saying a tweet that you have been mentioned in has been favorited. Um, I get a lot of email notifications. And uh, also, this is episode 50. We've been here for 50 weeks that we've done this thing. Um, so I, I also want to shout out to like everyone who has ever come on our show ever. Awesome. And I think that's code for Soraya is going to dig deep into his wallet to hand out plexes and or game cards of some kind or PSN cards. For that's funny. Second episode. That's funny. That's awesome. It's actually, it's the 51st episode will be our one year anniversary. Because really? oh, that's uh, yeah, because you yeah. skipped. Yeah, you guys didn't want to come in and do do stuff on on you know the weekend after Christmas. Yeah, that's pretty legit. We will actually have to plan something. Excuse me. Oh, God, we'll actually have to plan something for a uh, a legit 50, 50, 50 second episode or fifty first episode. We'll have to pick. We'll have to actually discuss that, guys. But that's probably a a a, a worthy. Uh, worthy use of our time to figure out a way to uh, give a little bit back to the folks that have kind of poked us along for the, uh, you yeah, know, no pun intended pokey, but have uh, chided us along for the last year. Uh, and also probably a good way to do a little bit of cross promotion. Some of our other uh, podcast bros out there. So uh, I'll, I'll start looking into that and folks, if you're out there listening or if you're uh, going to catch this on the recording and you've got some ideas on what might be uh, some cool events or perhaps some, things that we can uh, give away within reason uh, staring at Catmark right now. Um, I am poor, darn it. 
So say at the minute. So you're saying you're going to give away Captain Mark in a raffle on the upcoming 51st? Possibly. I mean, that's about all I can afford after paying $133 for a domain name. That's pretty legit. So, yeah, we do have to kind of figure that out. So um, I'll dive right in. So shout-outs to comicbookmovie.com and the Weekly Planet podcast. I really do highly recommend you guys check that out. It's a, it's a very funny podcast. It's very well done. And it's usually spot on at about an hour, hour and 15. So it's a good commute kind of podcast. Um, also, I'd like to give a quick shout out to the boys over at Podside and uh, and particularly in Cypher and uh, Far From Pukin, who have really helped us out a lot with uh, getting started and keeping us going, by the way, on their Mumble. Uh, so we're actually using a fellow podcaster's uh, Mumble server here. Uh, so again, big shout outs to them. Uh, shout outs to my bros over in uh, Agony Unleashed on the Eve side. Uh, yes, I'm actually back where I can log in, and I've been logging in today as we're doing our move op. So I'll see you guys on the far side of the map soon as soon as the Jump Raider picks my shit up. So other than that, I think we're going to bring this one to a close. And folks, it's been fun. It's been real, but it ain't been real fun. So good okay, night. Can I, can good I sneak luck. in one more shout out? No, absolutely. Go ahead. Shout out to Deadpool for having the best girlfriend ever. Word, and for those of you that don't know, Soraya will give you one plex on the youth side for the first person that tweets who Deadpool's girlfriend is. Peace out.